we have been in the sermon series, Forgive, and all summer long, we have been discovering the depths of forgiveness. Um, Today is our last conversation about forgive, and this has been based off of the work of uh, Timothy Keller, and I hope you have had a chance to read along in the book. Uh, It's been a nice uh, uh, added piece to the messages every Sunday. If you haven't gotten the book, still encourage you to get it. It's uh, been something that that um, I think has at least uh, blessed me this summer, and I hope has been a blessing to you as well. Today, we're talking about extending forgiveness. Now, over the summer, we've learned, like I mentioned, the depths of the wellspring of forgiveness. Uh, we've learned about the history of forgiveness. We've learned about our, our current culture's um, struggle with forgiveness. Uh, we've learned about the different dimensions of forgiveness. Real quick run back, the, the first dimension by which forgiveness comes to us, the starting point, is the vertical dimension. Forgiveness that comes from God to sinners. And in recognizing that you and I are sinners and that God, even though it's not God's uh, uh, natural first choice, God is God, we are not. It's God's will to be your God. God engages in the act of forgiveness for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And that when that forgiveness comes to us, it transforms who we are. Uh, We become forgiven sinners, saints on account of Jesus Christ alone. So the first dimension of forgiveness is from God to us, the vertical dimension. The second dimension is the internal dimension because forgiveness, while we are commanded to forgive immediately, forgiveness is often, most often, a process of discovery. It begins with forgiving internally uh, before we're even in a place to forgive outwardly toward our neighbor. We rest in the forgiveness that we have in God as that changes us, as that reshapes us. Maybe for a season that's all we rest in. God, forgive me. Uh, Help me to forgive my neighbor just as you forgive me. But the more we live in that internal dimension of forgiveness, the more we discover what forgiveness is and how we can then extend forgiveness to our neighbor. And that is brings us to the third dimension of forgiveness, the horizontal dimension. Um, That's to your neighbor. It's because Christ has forgiven me, I am now free to engage and use the currency of the kingdom of God, which is forgiveness toward my neighbor. Now, what does it look like to extend forgiveness, to to basically live forgiveness in my day-to-day life, there are, there are some principles and practices that can help us engage in a life of forgiveness. And I want to share with you a clip about an American college football coach who goes to England and becomes the coach of a soccer team. Maybe you know this. We're getting near football season. Let me know uh, if this seems um, recognizable to you. This club is all that Rupert has ever cared about, and I wanted to destroy it. To cause him as much pain and suffering as he has caused me. And I didn't care who I used or who I hurt. All you good people just trying to make a difference. Ted, I'm so sorry. 
If you want to quit or call the press, I'll completely understand. I forgive you. You what? Why? Divorce is hard. And it doesn't matter if you're the one leaving or if you're the one who got left. It makes folks do crazy things. Hell, I'm coaching soccer, for heaven's sake. <laughs> In London. <laughs> I mean, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. But this job you gave me has changed my life. It gave me the distance I needed to see what was really going on. Yeah, but you and me, we're okay. Come on, just shake this hand. My arm's starting to get... <laughs> Anyone know that show? It's called Ted Lasso. It's a great show. It's a hit show on Apple TV right now. But what I love about this is that this shows the three parts of reconciliation. Now, forgiveness is not the end of the goal of extending forgiveness. The goal uh, that we learn from Jesus that really is the purpose of God working forgiveness in a, in a vertical dimension is reconciliation. Coming back together. And reconciliation has three parts. The first part is the naming of the wrong. The accountability piece. The second, that happens at least in here, is the forgiveness of it. It's named, it's forgiven, and the final part is repentance. It takes two people. Forgiveness doesn't guarantee reconciliation, but when there is accountability, when there is forgiveness, and when there is repentance by the wrongdoer, their reconciliation is possible. And that's the goal of extending forgiveness is reconciliation. Now, I want to share with you a principle that Paul lifts up in Romans and five practices of that principle. Now, what is a principle? A principle is a fundamental truth or proposition, a proposal, that serves as the foundation for a system of belief and or behavior. Now, if you were to look at your life, you would discover that you are following some unwritten principles in how you live your day-to-day -day life. You may not even realize it. Maybe there are things that you wouldn't have expected, like might makes right, or only the strong survive, or I'll give as good as I get. These are all unspoken principles. Well, to extend forgiveness, Christianity teaches us a principle. Jesus made it uh, a part of, of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, it's a hard teaching. Paul rewords it in Romans. He says this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome. That word overcome is an interesting one, and it's the word that I want you to key on as to understand what the forgiveness principle, extending forgiveness principle is. It's a word that's found in the book of Revelation. Jesus uses it quite a bit, but he translates it as conquer. And he speaks about if you conquer, or 
with me you will conquer. What are you conquering? Evil. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says the same thing. What is this word overcome? I'm going to let you in on a hint. You all know this word. You've probably said it a lot. Heck, I'll bet even some of you may be, may be um, preaching it today. It's this word. How many of you know this symbol? How many of you are wearing something that has this symbol on it? Look at your shoes. Look at your shirts. Anybody? Good, I got a couple of you. What we wear, what we're uh, presenting to the world is our witness. And so some of you are good preachers of this word. When I think of this word, I think of this catchphrase. Just do it. The principle that we're taught today is one that you can't just think about it. You got to do it. And the more you do it, the more it becomes part of your life. It's that extending forgiveness. Just do it and watch it work. What is the word that has become uh, the swoosh is the symbol of? It's the word Nike. Nike is a Greek word. The Greeks actually worshipped the goddess of victory by the name Nike. It's translated as overcome, conquer. This is more of a Latin word. The, The Greeks and the Romans shared the same deities, but they had different names for them. The the Greek goddess Nike was the Roman goddess Victoria, the goddess of victory. And that's what this word means. It means to overcome, to conquer, to be victorious. So what is the principle to extend forgiveness? It is Nike evil. Overcome evil. How do we do that? Well, we got to practice. Overcome evil with good. Just do it. Nike with good. I'm going to share with you five practices in which you will Nike with good. The first one is from Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now that's really hard, especially if the hurt is fresh, to bless your enemy to bless a wrongdoer, to bless someone who's harmed you. I get it. I understand it. That's why we don't start in the horizontal um, uh, dimension of forgiveness. We start in the vertical by recognizing that God forgives us. God blesses us to be a blessing. And then we sit in the internal And where you can bless your neighbor in the internal, even before you speak a blessing to them, is with the first practice. Pray for them. Pray for them. If you're praying for your enemies or those who have wronged you or those who have hurt you and you're not ready to keep them accountable and give them the opportunity to repent... That doesn't change the forgiveness that you engage in through the vertical and the internal. And it begins by praying. Praying to God about them. Asking God to give you the strength to bless them. Praying that God would bless them. And in blessing them, he would turn them from the harm that they're doing to themselves or to you or to others. That they would turn from their their sin. That they would would receive the forgiveness that you are willing to give, that you are ready to give, that you are already exercising. If you are praying for someone, it won't be long 
before you no longer see them as an enemy. If you are praying for someone, it will not be long. Remember, forgiveness is discovery. It will not be long before you no longer see them as an enemy. And when you pray to God and when you lift your needs to God, you should expect God to act because that's what he promises. When you pray, believe that it's true. And it will be true. And so, when you pray for them, you bless them. And the Holy Spirit begins to work. And you can expect to see the Holy Spirit working, changing lives, reconciling people together. The second one, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. When we practice forgiveness, understand that we are giving up our right to repayment. Uh, Forgiveness is absorbing the debt that's caused by sin. And make no mistake, when sin happens, when wrong happens, there's a cost. And someone is going to pay that cost. The world says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, remember Jesus says this? We repay no one evil for evil. And that is absorbing the cost that is owed. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. This word honorable is is just a really cool word. Honor, shame, societies misunderstand honor. They see honor as a removal of shame and a uh, lifting up of your stature in the community. But according to the Bible, honor takes on a very different meaning because God is working to turn right side up an upside down world. Honor, from a Christian perspective is to look at your enemies or your neighbors' needs and wants and putting them as just a little bit more important than your own. It doesn't mean you completely discount who you are and what you need, but you look at your neighbor's needs and your wants and you just put them a little bit higher than your own. Husbands and wives, honor is the antibiotic that will kill every germ that infects your marriage. If husband and wife have honor for each other and are daily choosing to consider their spouse's needs and wants to be just a little bit more important than their own, that marriage will survive any struggle, any strife, any harm. Because when you're daily turning to each other, you're daily engaging in what the second principle is. I'll go on. The second principle, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Do you know that the best psalms, the really juicy psalms, are not in our traditional Lutheran hymnal, the green hymnal? They took all the juicy ones out. These are the imprecatory psalms. This is what you do with your anger. I don't put it in my fists. I give it to my Lord. Remember the first principle, your, pray, your first practice is you're praying for your enemies. Do you know what you can pray for them? It's a release prayer. It's a different way of, of uh, pr- placing your body. Often we pray with our hands folded, right? Well, to release, especially what this one says, is to turn your hands upward and basically say to God, God, I 
will not and cannot take vengeance, you go get them. That's the proper place to put your anger. God, you get them. When you do that, you are releasing the responsibility that you have placed upon yourself in order to gain justice at the hands of someone else that you feel has wronged you. By giving it to God and praying that to God, you're putting your anger in this proper place and you're also doing something else. You're recognizing the person as someone who is also under the providence of the one true God. In other words, you're putting yourself on the same plane as that person. You're not seeing them as a one-dimensional villain. You're seeing them as a person who also needs God's providence, God's care, God's justice, and God's mercy. And so when you pray this prayer, God, you go get them, Lord. You're removing from yourself the responsibility to do something or to even have the ghost of the harm that they've caused on you hang over your head. You've given it to God. Don't try taking it back. When we do these things, when we honor, when we refuse repayment, when we do not avenge ourselves, we are doing what the Bible says is forgiveness. So we forgive them. We forgive even before reconciliation is possible. Even before they've repented, we're ready to forgive. We forgive inside, giving it to God. That's the starting point. The third, prince, the third practice. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I don't know about you, but when someone has wronged me, I really don't want anything to do with them. Uh, maybe it's a bully who picks on you and it's very easy to be scared and to hide away, to ignore or to ghost, as, as the kids like to say today. Um, but we're not to be ghosts. We're to keep accountable those who have wronged us. That's part of forgiveness. So don't avoid them. I'm not going to avoid you if, if, if I have an issue with you. This is what family is like. I have an older brother. He's three years older than me. My entire childhood was a daily fight. It was, let's get ready to rumble every single day. That's how it is, especially with boys. It was World Wrestling Federation every single day. And every day we would fight, and every day uh, our parents would make us uh, reconcile with each other by forgiving each other, by treating each other well. This, this was not a one-time thing, mind you. This was my entire life, right? But that's what family is like. When, you're, when your family is full of a bunch of sinners that want their own way, you're going to have struggle, strife. You're going to have problems. But the way to reconcile is you don't avoid them. You live in life with them and you keep each other accountable for your stuff. You call it like it is. My brother and I would fight tooth and nail, but he was the one I could always count on. He still is the one I can always count on. And I always know he's going to tell me exactly what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Don't avoid them. Fourth one. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Listen to that. Now, this does not mean be smug. Oh, look at how good I am to you, you, you dirtbag. 
I still make you a sandwich even though you're mean to me. No, that's not what this is saying. It's, it's doing a couple things. One, it's not, don't be generous just to your friends. Be generous to your enemies. This is a witness to the gospel. But why does it keep burning coals on, on his head? Our staff had a great time trying to figure out if this was like a Hebrew proverb, which means something that it doesn't, you know, kind of like, like uh, you know, I, I can't think of one. But you, you know what I'm talking about. It could be. But to read the Old Testament, this phrase shows up and it shows up in the imprecatory Psalms in the Old Testament, which is basically saying, God, pour burning coals on my enemy's head and burn them to the ground, right? So it's the full measure of the hurt that's been caused, but it's doing something to the person. If your enemy, well, I'll just use you. Let's say you had a hot coal, and someone put it on your head, what would you do? You'd probably go, ow, and you'd jump in the direction of the, of the hot coal, and you'd look at it in a completely different circumstance. If you were completely oblivious to what was going on in your life, and suddenly a hot coal touched the top of your head, you're going to pay attention. If someone has wronged you, they've been rude to you, they've been sour to you, they've They've harmed you with their words and their actions. Do you think you are going to change them by being sour to them? By being rude to them? By being harmful to them? Or are you just going to reinforce their original assumption why they did what they did in the first place is that because you're such a jerk and that you deserved what they did to you? This does the opposite And this almost always works, just like anything in life. This almost always works. When you give generously to your enemies, you still keep them accountable for what they did, but it doesn't change who you are, that you are a beloved child of God, blessed by the one true God, forgiven of all of your sins, and blessed to be a blessing to your neighbors. The way you treat them with love and justice and mercy and accountability and forgiveness has a way of preaching to someone and to transform them where they look at themselves and think, you know what, I really was a jerk to you. This works almost every time. It may take a year, but I'm telling you, when you continue to be who God made you to be with those who have wronged you, a forgiven sinner, given the hope of the resurrection and the announcement of the currency of heaven has been broken in upon this world, the kingdom of God is here and its currency is forgiveness, when you exercise that, when you show generosity even to your enemies, You can change your enemy into a neighbor, into a friend, into a fellow brother and sister in Christ. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't always happen overnight. It can take a long time. I heard a story just this last week about about, uh, friends who became frenemies, who became enemies, and one of them chose to be giving. And a year later, reconciliation happened. Accountability, forgiveness, repentance. Give to them. Give to them. Just because someone is 
sour or ornery doesn't change who you are. And you are a giving person because of all the gifts you've been given by God. Number five, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Haughty means proud. Uh, think you're more important than you, you are. Um, Never be wise in your own sight. This is a, a famous saying uh, worded a different way by a guy named Socrates who said, I know that I know nothing. When you read the Proverbs, they say the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. In other words, I don't know as much as I should and I don't act the way that I should. My natural inclination is to want to be my own God and to be all important and self-celebrating. And yet because of Christ, because of what God has done for me, I've been given the Holy Spirit and the Spirit gives me the new reality of humility. And what does humility do? Humility puts you on an even par with everyone around you. They're not better than you. They're not worse than you. They're not better than you because they got one over on you or hurt your pride or anything like that. And they're not worse than you. They're not a worse sinner than you are. You are the same. And yet you are a forgiven sinner in Christ. And therefore you can stay humble. And when you stay humble, you respond to God's blessings because you're listening to them and you're quick to give God's blessings because it's not about you. You live in the hope of the resurrection. It's about what God has done for you. These five practices allow you to live out the principle of Nikeing evil overcoming evil. And the more you practice forgiveness, the more you overcome evil with good. And so hear this promise because it's your promise. Jesus Christ, Son of God, he died for you. All of your sins are forgiven in his name. You are now free. You are free to Nike. Just do it. Hey, thanks for watching this video. I hope it's been a blessing for you. We at Atonement are a community about loving God and loving people, and we'd love for you to learn more. So check out our other videos or find us in your favorite podcast player by searching for Atonement Fargo. Thanks again.